0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Command Point Podcast. I'm Shane, your host today, and uh, I'm joined by Six Sided Legion, aka uh, we've got Blaine and Brett. So, uh, Blaine, Brett, how you guys doing?
1: Oh, uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Um, yeah, it's uh, been a little bit of a, a weird, like phase from uh, KTO because we haven't played too much, but. You know we're uh we're chilling yeah thank you for having us on we appreciate it
0: yeah absolutely so i had the pleasure of playing you blaine at KTR. i didn't get the chance to play you yet brett but um oh, yeah it's uh it's i wanted to have you guys in the pod for a minute now um speaking of which uh podcast listeners you might notice that this is like a it's like a real podcast uh we haven't really been doing the command point podcast as much in the past uh however long but um as a as a formal announcement, this is gonna be kind of like our our. This is me tiptoeing back into the into the podcast uh, realm because I think there's a lot to talk about in Kill Team, enough to do a consistent <laughs> release schedule. So uh, super excited about that. Super excited to have you guys as our uh, as our first guests here on the on the return. So um, for starters, uh, I'll start with uh, I'll start with you, Blaine, and then and then we'll go to Brett. Um, okay. So you have you been playing Kill Team since the start of the edition? Were you playing last edition at all? Like how long have you been playing?
1: Um so and I and I can kind of speak for both of us here. Uh our buddy, uh, also part of Six Side of Legion, Nate, uh he got us kinda into kill team and Warhammer to be like just in general. Um back I think last March is kinda what we determined. Um he started us off as uh he had bought the Octarius and um what was the other one? Chowdhaf box sets, and then he, I think he he had just pre-ordered, uh, Nockman, so he had kind of gotten all of the stuff to, to play with, and we had been uh, just playing around with like the Commandos and the the Krieg uh, for a little bit, and we we really liked it, so we kind of got our own teams and started playing, and you know made it a little bit more consistent. Um, but yeah, so I mean, a couple months after, you know, like what five ish months after the uh, release of this this edition so
0: all right so like coming up in a year then probably more than a year
1: oh yeah Uh, a little bit more than a year yeah yeah
0: nice nice um and i I mean obviously you guys have a youtube channel uh it's excited legion so talk to me about that a little bit
1: uh i'll let brett take this over since uh you know uh I just talked about that stuff. So, Brett, if you want to talk about the the channel a little yeah, bit, yeah, absolutely.
2: Yeah, so we yeah we started this channel Six Sided Legion uh, a few months ago. Now we've been working on rolling out some regular content. We've got uh, a few battle reports up, a uh, few tournament talks, just talks about our experience at you know different events KTO, LVO, uh, GW Opens, that sort of thing. We are working on just getting out you know more a lot more battle reports. Honestly, what we're just looking to do is kind of help get a variety of games out there. You know, we kind of felt like looking at current content creators, maybe there's just maybe not enough of, you know, all the different teams. And I mean, you know, let's be honest, kill team has a lot of different teams. People want to see those teams up against, you know, maybe something specific or just multiple battle reports with the same team. So we're kind of looking to fill that gap and, just get a bunch of content out there and, you know, you know, take requests from people, do whatever we can and uh, hopefully just build the community a little bit. You know, we try to convince people that, you know, hey, if, if Kill Team is something you're interested in, then maybe check out a tournament. You know, it's there, there's something in it for everybody. So we're really just trying to grow the community and, uh, you know, maybe, you know, just convince people to, you know, hop in, check it out. You know, a lot of people are coming over from 40K, so we're just trying to grow it up a little bit
0: for sure. For sure. Yeah. You guys have some pretty sweet bat reps. I can, uh, I can attest to that. So if you're listening and you haven't checked out the six sided Legion YouTube channel, go do that now. Uh, I also really like your tournament reports. That's what I first saw when I checked out your channel. Um, pretty good stuff. Yeah. yeah it's we it's, just, it's uh, a
2: lot of, uh, a lot of just our various experiences at places. I know Ethan and Nate, you know, they're not with us now, but you know, they've, they've got a lot of words on there as well. It's, you know, there's a lot of background between the four of us.
0: So so are you guys all from the same area?
1: Uh, yeah, we're all from like the Wausau, Wisconsin area. Um, Ooh, cool,
0: cool. We all kind of
1: grew up together. So
0: Awesome. Cool. So like what's the local scene like over there?
1: Uh, locally, uh, not very much. I know um, we've got some stuff going on, on up in Twin Cities, like Minnesota area or, or Minneapolis area. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we've got some stuff down so- like South of us in Chicago, you know, Adepticon just happened uh, a couple right. U S opens with GW and stuff like that, but not a whole lot here in central Wisconsin. Um, other than, you know, a couple of here or like, uh, smaller little tournaments at the GW stores and whatnot, but not a whole lot.
0: Yeah. You know, every year I want to go to Adepticon and I like say that I'm going to do it and then I don't, um, I'm from like Western New York. So it's, so it's like a 10 hour drive if I want to go there. Um, so it's like, and it sells out so fast every year too. It's crazy. And I like, you can do the wait list, but like, if you're not close, it's like, well, I'm not going to, you know, impromptu hop on a flight. So it's like kind of hard if you're not in the area.
1: Yeah. I know, uh, a couple of us just even just wanted to go to see, you know, the painting competitions. That's where golden demon was this year. Yep. Um, like some of the the game demos i know our buddy nate was super like into trying some of those and whatnot but we just didn't really have the or find the time to kind of go down there especially when we didn't get tickets for any of the events it was not really like worth going just to hang around so
0: i get that so um your your bet reps are kind of like all over the place as far as like whether it's like a competitive focus or whether it's a little more kind of like you mentioned, Brett, like, like just seeing certain things go up against each other. So how do, how do you guys like prefer to, to play the game? Is it, uh, do you guys usually come at it from mostly competitive mindset? You no,
2: know, I, I feel like I can kind of touch on that pretty good here. Um, I think a lot of it, you know, obviously when we're playing, we're, we're playing, you know, to win amongst one another, you know, we're, we're, of course we're trying, you know, it's, part of it is an entertainment aspect. We want to see a good game. Um, but part of it is also, we, you know, we play how we would play at, at a tournament, you know, we're we're putting in full effort, you know, we're playing how we would. Um, but that being said, you know, we also do try different things. Um, just something that would be a little bit more interesting. Uh, I know, you know, a, a lot of people don't see, you know, Death Guard anymore, but, you know, we we have a battle report, Death Guard versus Warp Coven, stuff like that, so, like, even with those teams that you don't see as much, you know, we're just trying to get that stuff out there and uh, and really just show people, you know, different ways to play teams, maybe something they haven't seen before or, uh, you know, and we do little talks between our turning points about what we're thinking, things like that, so it's really it's a semi-competitive approach, but part of it is also maybe just Teaching a little bit of what we've learned or maybe what we're thinking so we can you know, help newer players and that that sort of thing.
0: For sure. No, that's super cool. So uh and obviously um we'll talk about it later preview for later in the episode. But uh Brett, you've had quite the success with Castrican, um, and we're gonna talk about that later. But um it's it's cool to see like those those less represented teams not just like on a video, but just like even even to just see them doing well or kind of see somebody making them work in their own way is uh, always a, always a treat. Yeah. And that's,
2: that's something too that with the, uh, with Kill Team, you know, that's, that's what I like personally. I find myself, you know, kind of staying away from some of the more meta stuff. It's, you know, it it's fun to, you know, have the challenge of playing something that's not played as often. And especially when you play against a lot of people who, you know, don't get to see them very much. It's fun to play new things against them. And, you know, they learn stuff and yeah, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun.
0: For sure. So, okay. Uh, first line of business, uh, the balance data slate just dropped. Uh, I say just dropped. It's been like a week, I think, um, from, from recording and, uh, tons of changes, uh, including Casterkin. And, uh, I wanted to go over that and talk to you guys a little bit about it because I haven't put my thoughts out. On the channel yet uh, about it so I'm just gonna go down the list of stuff and we can just like bounce back and forth at the top uh, we have the the they changed the max for primary which is super interesting uh, so the max before was 12 now you can go to 16 and I they clarified it that it, it's a total max of 24 now if you include painting Um, so there was a lot of ties at KTO and I know this is probably part of what they're trying to address.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, so
0: what do you guys, th- I guess, Blaine, I'll start with you. What do you, what do you think of this change?
1: Um, so my personal experience at KTO, I had a total of two ties on day one mm-hmm. and I would have had another two on day two, but we couldn't tie. So we ended up going to tiebreakers. Um, oh, yeah. so I have a lot of experience with that, the ties issue at KTO I think it's a great change. Um, the only thing is, and I know I've heard this from other people, uh, since the balanced data slate, the only mission that kind of suffers from this is loot and, or the the loot mission type. Yeah, because there isn't enough VPs for main objective to get to that sixteen, but the other two secure and capture, I think it's great. It prevents such a a small gap between the players. Like you can actually get. Far enough ahead of your opponent that it tying isn't really uh, an issue anymore. It shouldn't be, at least. Yeah. So, did you I tie say that.
0: on loot at all out of curiosity at KTO? Because I only had, um, I had one tie in, uh, on my eight games. Um, and I think it was secure. I don't think it was loot.
1: Um. So, I know what was it? My first tie, I think, I think actually both my ties were secure Um, once against Corsairs, once against Pathfinders. Um, which, of course, each of those games had their internal issues for tying, but I think primarily it was just because there were standstills on Into the Dark Terrain. It was kind of hard to push one point without losing the other. Um, but, yeah, it's just, I think raising that, that limit is just a very, very good call for GW. So
0: Yeah, I like the change. But Brett, did you have any ties at KTA?
2: I did not have any ties, no, but um I, I definitely see why they would make this change. Like Blaine said, I mean, it's gonna increase the gap between a lot of the scores, the final scores, in the games, which I think is good. I think it's a lot less likely now we actually will see people maxing, which I think is a I, I think that's probably a good thing. you know yeah. it, it seems like right now if you max, it's like, okay, I mean, you know you probably had a good game, you know that you know, of course, you maxed out. you did well, but. With primaries at the moment, that's not necessarily too difficult to do.
0: Yeah when, I saw maxes, it, you know? yeah, when I saw maxes before, my thought would be like, oh, that's impressive. They maxed their tech ops. Like, it wouldn't right, really be a right. primary thing. So yep. so now I guess it's like, if you max, you probably, like, dominated. <laughs> um, so I think it's probably a good thing. I know I would have scored quite a few more points in, in some of my games. I actually never maxed once at KTO. Um, I got 19 points every game except for my loss so like there was always like a tech op that eluded me um for the most part i think there was a loot game where i i couldn't get all 12 on loot but it definitely like creates these situations where like somebody's like crushing and before they would be crushing too hard in primary and it's like you the opponent would be like well actually you can't keep scoring on that so i have a way to get back in but now it's like i think it's, it might be a little bit more reflective of how the actual game's going, maybe? Or at least I think that's what they're going for.
1: Yeah, I know in the past we've had just, like, casual games or practice games where, you know, you have that, like, third or fourth turning point where they've already maxed, like, the opponent's already maxed their their primaries, and you've got so many, like, so you don't even have to worry about denying them those points anymore. You can just focus on secondaries and try to either tie it up or get, like, one or two points ahead. But now I think that it's just, it's a new different, like a whole different game being able to, to not prevent them from maxing anymore or from like scoring anymore from primaries, I guess. Mm -hmm. So.
0: And it makes tac ops a little less important too, just because like, I think that's kind of a big imbalance that we have in the game where some teams have good faction tac ops. And because of that, they're, they're a lot more likely to max. Um, so I think you don't have to lean as hard into that, which is overall a good thing
1: yeah it also makes like those tack ops that are like from certain archetypes you know such as recon with recover item it makes <laughs> those those tack ops not so impactful in the grand scheme of the game too so
0: yeah recover item is uh it's definitely <laughs> a thing <laughs> yeah it's its
1: own little discussion for sure
0: um Alright, well let's talk about the actual teams they changed so we'll start with the buffs uh let's get this one out of the way uh they gave commandos the option to basically if you take the grot you get a squig for free I and mean, vice versa
2: love it love it
0: I'm a big fan of it I think it's like I, am too. I I don't think it's gonna change a ton it'll it'll definitely help on into the dark I think more than open board but um it's it's like such a tiny change that but i i'm I'm a fan. I'm what excited.
2: I just I wanna see that grot and that squig out there. Like I wanna see that grot shoot across the map, try to shank somebody with his little one four damage dagger and that's exciting. Yeah. That's something different, you know.
0: The grot, I mean, it's funny because I used to look at the grot, he was such a menace because they had a interloper, so he was just like a oh, free yeah. oh, two victory yeah. points. But um mm-hmm. I haven't thought much about the grot since they introduced crit ops. So I haven't even like I, I it's gotta still be pretty good for scoring stuff.
1: Um, um, I know the big thing that people have been doing, or at least I've heard people doing is doing stock target with them, uh, on oh. infiltrate, because you can kind of just right, right at the end of the turning point, you can just zoom across the map into somebody who, you know, is just off on their own and just get that free point. So,
0: yeah, that makes sense. Um, probably the barricade one too. Like if they don't stand near their barricade, you just shoot them over there. Oh yeah. Um, I was talking to a guy at my local store when the data slate came out and it was super funny to get the perspective of somebody that's not competitive because I, uh, I mentioned the, the commando change and he goes, oh, I love it. Now I get an extra boy. And I was like, well, no, it's a squig that you get for free, not a boy. And he's like, yeah, I know. I was already taking the squig. So now I have a spot for a boy. Um, and that just killed me. I thought that was the funniest thing. (laughs) That's funny. It's definitely one way to look at it. Um, but yeah, no, I think on into the dark, I think it could be a genuine, like meaningful buff on open board. I think most of the time you probably still won't be taking the squig, but, um, I like the idea.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Uh, that was my first thought was into the dark because I know the squig is already a a true threat on into the dark Mm -hmm. because it can come from right around the corner and just ruin your day. But now that you can get a free Grot with him, you know it's just a, a an added bonus. You know.
0: Yeah. All right. So that's enough about commandos. Let's talk about the. Uh, okay, we're gonna do a big one now. We're gonna get this one out of the way. Uh, Hire tech Circle.
1: Oh, I've um, got my own personal opinions <laughs> about this.
0: They basically <laughs> revamped like the t- the whole team. Um. So I don't know. Have either of you guys played this team really at all in the past?
1: Oh, um, we have so- a buddy.
0: Yeah. yeah,
1: so our buddy Nate plays the or just got them and started playing them a little bit. Um and so as of recently, you know, within the last month or so, I I personally within our group uh have been doing like a semi-casual like narrative tournament so we could try out narrative rules. Mm-hmm. Um so I have Exaction squad. Brett has uh Hand of the Archon. We've got Nate on uh tech Circle and our buddy Ethan on Gellerpox. So we've kind of had our fill of Higher Tech Circle um, and kind of gotten used to their rules and such. So
0: Okay. So you're you're a little bit familiar. So uh I'm gonna go over the changes one at a time, I guess, because I think that's probably the most easy way to digest all of this. Uh we're gonna start with the reanimation protocols changes. So now it um they come back with D3 plus three. Uh, which if you add that up with Living Metal, it means that they're always going to come back not injured, which is a crazy thing on its own. Um, But then on top of that, you get to set the model up within three inches of where the token was, and you get to change their order. So that is like a lot right there. Um, it, It definitely makes the team... I mean, oh my god. I mean, that alone, I think, makes reanimation like so so much more meaningful. Um I don't know how I feel about them coming back uninjured because that I almost feel like that was like the whole point of the technomancer. But um especially in conjunction with another buff that we're going to talk about. But um that's a lot in one. So what, what do you guys think about that?
1: Um so and we were talking about this a little bit uh earlier too. Um I saw that and I was okay with every other buff they got the d3 plus three on reanimation is i think it's over the top personally i feel like they they were already they were already pretty strong coming back with you know four ish wounds uh four to five wounds depending on you know living metal and such but it it's too much maxing out at like with the technomancer on the team you can get a max of ten, of a full 10 wounds back when you yeah, reanimate, it which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, it, that's crazy to me that, like, it's going to make teams that were already not super great into, like, a 3-up save and reanimation and stuff. Even worse, being able to, like, burn down an entire Immortal and then it just comes back with full wounds is crazy to me. But
0: What do you think, Brett?
2: You know, I do, I definitely understand, and I, you know, in part, I do agree. I do think that that's, you know, it's it's a lot. Um, that being said, though, I think there's still something to, to be said about the fact that they, they truly only have so many impactful models on their team. You know, if we're not considering the Plasma sites, because, I mean, you know, they're not, they're not there to put out damage by any means. You know, they're there to, to buff up the Immortals and your Death Marks, whatever you may have. You know, I, I think this might be really good for higher tech. Obviously, it's going to be really good, but I think this this might be something that they almost need because, you know, even though this is such a huge buff to the reanimation protocol, you can still only do it so many times, and there is still the chance that you're going to fail it. You're not actually going to bring them back.
0: Yeah, that's that's one thing about the team that, that kind of puts me off a little bit even still is that there is a lot of variance Baked into that three-up reanimation roll, um, to the point where it's like if you get it, you might like that could win you the game. But if you don't get it, you might lose the game just off of that alone. Um, so it, it puts me a little bit on pause. But the upside of getting it is so crazy now, and and just the, and being able to move and flip the order, so like like slinking a guy back through a wall maybe on open board just out of sight, and and switching them to conceal is just like oof.
1: I didn't um, even think about. Yeah. Like putting them on the other side of a wall. That's yeah. actually crazy.
0: It's pretty nuts. Um,
2: I think the, uh, the, the gamble too, of you being able to uh, maybe aggressively push somebody forward. Oh yeah. Not necessarily worry. If you haven't used your reanimation protocol yet for the turning point, you could just, who cares if he dies, just pop it on him. If he's coming back, well now, now you get essentially a free dash with him.
0: Yeah, I mean, for, put them up
2: wherever you want. Like
0: for a team that only gets four inch of movement, that's three extra inches of movement they just get for free. Um, right. That's that's not insignificant. Uh, so next up, we've got the uh, Plasmasite accelerator. The accelerate action is now zero AP, which is crazy, and it's six inch range. So, um, and then also the uh, while well, we're talking about this, the reanimator Plasmasite, his reanimation beam doesn't give him minus one APL when he uses it now. So these two guys, so I, I played higher tech for the first time after the buffs. Before the buffs, I hadn't touched them. I'd looked at them, I'd considered them, but I hadn't actually played them. Uh, these two things, especially with these buffs now, they are so useful because I played them and I'm like, all right, they, they can't do mission actions, right? Like there's nothing like that. And then I'm looking at the data card and I'm like, wait a minute, yes they can. And they fly and their actions don't cost APL anymore. And they have super conceal if they're in light cover, like they can't like vantage points don't work against them. So I'm like, these things are really helpful. <laughs> like you, you can move these up the board and, and grab objectives and, and buff your guys on the way. Um just such a such useful uh little little creatures. And uh I don't know. What what do you guys think?
1: Um so personally I I thought the three inch like uh basically comms on the plasma site was Absolutely useless. Yeah. Like you had to be so close and when your immortals and your crypt tech and your apprentic are all kind of pushing up the board because that's what they have to do, you're you don't want your plasma site, you know, that far up the board with them. You want them grabbing you like you said, grabbing objectives and kinda scooting and, you know, flying around the map. And you couldn't really do that with a three inch range. Yeah. Um so I, I think both changes are are really good. I think they needed that, and it makes them a lot more impactful when it comes to, to what they can do. So
2: I have to agree entirely. I mean, they basically just took the utility part of the team and they, they made them better. You know I don't think anybody can complain too much about that. I, you know, at the end of the day, they're not the thing getting your kills. It's the stuff that they're buffing. So you know it, if that adjusts the way you need to play against them, it's just something to reconsider, but it's. I think it's a necessary change for the team.
0: Yeah, I agree. They feel really useful, which I think is a good thing because they're not killers. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, next up, the Despotek and the Apprentek, their weapon skill and ballistic skill is improved by one, and both of them have uh, increased their wounds by two. So uh, I believe that puts the Apprentek and Despotek up to 12, 13 maybe.
1: Twelve, yeah, twelve. Because they were originally ten.
0: Got it. Okay, so those guys are a little bit more survivable, and they're a little bit more reliable offensively. Uh, The Despotek especially is, um, uh, and is they made his demand action uh, zero APL, Um, or I guess it's command. Yeah, I think it's demand. It's called. So basically, uh, if I mean even if he's not buffing somebody else, at the very least he's giving himself balanced when he when he attacks. Um, with the upside that if he isn't attacking, you can just give that reroll to somebody else. Um, so that's super exciting. Uh, and one thing I, I wanted to touch on too is that with the weapon skill increasing on the Despotek, he's actually like not super bad in melee. He's weapon skill two, three, four, you give him the lethal five thing, and he's like actually kind of decent. Um, but I think it was this is one thing that they really kind of needed was like they didn't have that leader model that is like Hitting on twos with like really good weapons, um, the the cryptex are obviously special in their own way. But but compared to a lot of teams that have these like super killy leaders, I think making the despotech uh, have this better profile is super. Uh, I think it's going to go a long way.
1: Yeah. Uh. So personally, anytime I played against TyroTech, it was very surprising to me that the. Um, especially the Apprentice, just hitting on fours with, uh, both shooting and melee was kind of like, wait, what (laughs) He can use like cryptic actions and all this, you know, all the fun stuff, but he kind of just has like guardsman style skill in those aspects, which again, really surprised me. So,
0: yeah. And like, I think it was to the point where some people were taking an immortal over the Apprentice which is I a did problem hear about that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> that it's a problem when one of your key specialists isn't being taken because it's just not the greatest, you know? Yeah.
0: And I, th- I think that with the other changes to, to the cryptic actions, um, and this, I think that probably won't be happening anymore for the most part. Uh, I hope we'll... you know, we'll see. Um, they made command free. Actually, they might've already done that. That might've been an old buff, but the, um, the Cryptek can command things for free so that he can like hand out that overwatch for zero APL, which makes those Cryptek actions like super complicated because there's a million things you can do. Um, like you could potentially get four APL. You can uh, it's technically possible to get five APL in that model. I think no, no, because I don't think that stacks on the APL modifier, but, but being able to have four APL in that model and then also have a free Cryptek command. So you kind of have like a pseudo five APL, Uh, it's just a lot (laughs) and it makes playing that model really complicated, but I think it's going to be pretty cool to see people do well with the team. Um, they're, they're a little bit galaxy brand, I think.
2: I really hope that with all these changes, I'm, I'm really hoping that this actually does bring a little bit more attention Higher attack. I think there are people who have been trying this for so long, but you know, the, at various tournaments like KTO, you know, we, we saw a bunch of there were there were plenty of higher attack players there. Credit I think to there them, were only but only two. <laughs> was there only two? I thought there was more yeah. Like, I think two, there were only two. Right?
0: No, I thought there was. Like either
2: way, yeah. But uh, either way, you know, there, there's people out there trying to make them work, and I I think with what experience they have now with these buffs, you know, that's I mean that's huge for them. If they were doing okay, or you know, at least decent before, right? Like now, this should help a lot. This was a yeah. b- fantastic buff for them.
0: The uh, my favorite thing really is the is the cryptic actions lasting through the next round. Um, well, through the next activation, because now it's like, say, if you give a guy three up invol, he will have that until the next time you go with the cryptic. So you can theoretically keep that involved on him. I mean, for the whole game, if you want to. Um. But I think there's some stuff there that's that's gonna be be really strong, uh, like the that you creating like the aura, like the nano minefield. I think it's called where like there's a six inch bubble where if you walk into it, your movement is reduced by two, and being able to keep that up, it's and become like really hard to charge. I think is gonna be interesting. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm curious to see what people do with higher attack. Now that yeah, they have some was... legs.
1: Uh, there was one interaction that came up over a reddit post that i hadn't even thought of with the new uh actions change and it's with the chronomancer giving the extra three inches to operatives i think right yes um so if you so you can give the three inch the extra three inches to uh let's say your your despotek in the first turning point um, that lasts until the, the Cryptech goes in, ter- in Turning Point 2. Into, uh, you go into Turning Point 2, you move your, your Despot Tech, you know, Let's say you, you pop Intractable March. Um, you move your Despotech 9 inches, and then you activate your Cryptech, giving the buff to somebody else, and you move that Operative 9 inches. So you can get a lot of extra movement by kind of manipulating that that uh that buff so yeah
0: it's crazy and so they're really not in my eyes like a slow team because every time i feel like they need to move fast they're able to do it
1: they can yeah
0: yeah (laughs) it's super cool but anyway let's move on to uh next one uh this is super tiny change corsairs uh they made the shredder have rending just to line it up with the archon um nothing too crazy there have either of you guys been playing archon since the since the release
2: i have uh very much enjoying
0: them so, nice, yeah, nice. That's a so lot, I, they're that's, a lot of fun. Yeah, I think it's. I don't think Corsairs really needed a buff, but it'll be nice for them to have the same profile as the uh, Drakari. Um, next up, we have the Phobos. Their Vanguard ability, a strategic play, now gives them a free mission action. Um, do do you guys play Phobos at all?
2: No, we actually, we actually. That's the one team. That we do not have as a group however i was just talking to them about potentially picking up phobos just to have you know an you know another team to play why not and then i found out they were getting this 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 little buff which is i mean that's pretty fantastic vanguard is is that is such a good strategic ploy now
0: yeah it was already so and good I, I mean it was it,
2: it was and... already yeah but now, especially, you know, on, on into the dark or, you know, I mean, anything, even like a loot and salvage mission, you got your, you know, your, your mission objectives that you need to do. I mean, you're pseudo four APL now. Yeah. All of your guys too. So I'm,
0: yeah, I think it's pretty interesting. Uh, I, Phobos, some people have said that like they're a hard team to play, but they're, they may have had some legs and I think we're going to start to see that if that's the case. Um, with this change, because they play the mission really well, and they play tac ops really well now too.
1: So one thing, because at KTO personally, I had four Corsairs matchups. <laughs> um, so I got very familiar with their rules, and one of the things that really, like, didn't set right with me was the fact that on into the dark, on into the dark they had light fingers which gives them a free mission action mm-hmm. um so it allowed them to alpha strike your deployment so hard and this is i this is that's what i fear phobos doing on any end of the dark map is you can just run up a, an operative and just bomb two guys on on uh on deployment with that free mission action it's gonna be yeah. crazy
0: at the very least with with phobos they don't really have uh a ton of significant blast outside of like a frag grenade so it there's that. Um, they, because uh, I know with the drakari, or not the drakari, the corsair is doing it with like a blaster, a shredder, yeah, and just deleting something is it feels brutal.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, all right, so I'm actually going to skip casterkin because we're going to round back, uh, round back to that after. So, um, we're going to have to sit tight on the casterkin changes. We'll, we'll get there. Uh, let's talk about the nerfs really quick. Um my my sweet Nurgle legionaries. Uh, have have I'm sure Blaine is quite happy about this.
1: <laughs> I am I'm very ecstatic about it. <laughs> so
0: mutagenic flesh reduced to a minimum of three or uh you reduced to a maximum of three instead of uh two. So uh, I've played legionaries since this change and let me tell you it is very meaningful. Um there are times when the the ploy i'm looking at like what my my opponent's team has and i'm thinking and i'm like this is only going to actually do something against like two of your guys now so i need to weigh whether or not i think i'm going to get shot by like the mining laser um because it doesn't help against intercessors anymore or um snipers or anything like that so it's it's definitely a challenge um I'll let you guys talk about this one for a second.
1: <laughs> yeah, so because I've been playing Exaction Squad so much, uh, it feels bad because all the damage reduction nerfs have been made to to be three, like uh, max three damage instead of, you know, two or whatever. All their shotguns are four four.
0: <laughs> yeah, so it doesn't change so, much. There.
1: Yeah, it doesn't change much there, but there are a lot of teams where most of the shooting is three four two three two four in except for the gunners so it only matters against the gunners and like you said you kind of have to weigh whether it's really worth it anymore to do that that damage reduction
0: yeah and it's uh so i'll get on a pedestal really quick as the biased legionary player (laughs) um this is the one change in the data slate that made me really sad um Here's, I'll make an argument for it. All right. I'll make an argument against it, I guess I should say. <laughs> okay. So, Legionnaires are the second most played team in the game, uh, tournament wise, by like a mile, right? They have way more games played than any team other than Intercession. And I predict it's probably going to stay that way. Despite this, they have never won a major tournament. And they have never uh, risen above 55% win rate. So, I ask you, why has this happened? Why are they hurting me like this? Come on, it's not fair, right? Am I
1: right? Yeah, i I think the <laughs> <laughs> I think the biggest reason is just trying to stay in line with all the other damage reduction nerfs that they did.
0: That is definitely
1: the um, reason. Yeah, because, like you said, I don't think it was warranted, like directly against them. I think it was kind of just kind of like the Corsairs buff, where it was just kind of evening everything out.
0: Yeah, I, I think you're right. It does make me sad. I am uh, still taking Legionnaires to the next turn i go to for what it's worth. Uh, I'm going to stick with Nurgle, even though a lot of people are jumping ship over to Zinch. I still like Nurgle for Implacable and for the, for the uh, defense dice change on the passive. So uh, I, I think this is going to cause me to change the way I use Metagenic Flesh. I think the silver lining is, because I'm not using it sometimes, I'm going to have extra CP for other things and uh i'm probably going to use my uh my slanesh operatives just a little bit more than i used to which was very little <laughs> but um yeah, i think there's going to be times when it comes up anyway that's enough about legionaries uh let's talk about the next nerf uh Gellarpox received a tiny nerf um they uh they vulgar lead the infection ability that gets them a cp uh, only happens once per game instead of Every time he's on a new objective. So uh this is I played a lot of Gellerpox after KTO. Um and I think that some people are gonna say they need more. They are like deceptively draining to play. <laughs> I don't wanna say that they're not, they're clearly quite good. But I, I don't think they're as uh, good as a lot of people say they are as far as like them being like really easy or like really overpowered. And I'm glad that they're taking small steps with this team because they definitely have a problematic like win rate and, and what they're capable of is pretty crazy. But uh, I think this is a good step in the right direction for Geller Pox. Um, what do you guys think? I don't know how much experience you have with this faction.
2: You know, we actually have quite a bit of experience. Uh, Ethan in our group, he he plays Killer Pox quite a bit, and uh, I know he's not really too happy, you know, about getting you know essentially less CP in a game, which does make sense. Um, and obviously, you know, I think we can all understand that Kill Team is, you know, it is it is a game of positioning like you have to be so careful with where you position your guys and now imagine that with as many models as they have right you don't have a lot of range it's like you have to position very very carefully so like you said it's not it's not as easy as you think it is to just run up the board like that
0: that's really you gotta you
2: gotta worry about yeah you gotta you gotta worry about getting shot from all over the place and you know you, you don't really get the opportunity for overwatch or really any of that stuff you have to you know get those charges in where you can and you know that's a lot for them especially when they typically use their cp for their their buffs whether it's the uh was it is blessing of pox i believe is the defensive one yes yeah and then uh, blessing
1: uh, and yes, for the, for their blessing of affliction and
2: yes for their fighting it that that stuff is yeah. huge for them that is so incredibly useful for them now that they don't have access to as many CP, I think that's going to be that's going to be pretty big for them. You know, maybe I think this is actually, in my opinion, I feel like this is almost a bigger drop for them than the. And this might be controversial, but for when their techno curse got got uh, got um, dropped a little bit there, when yeah. their ranges fell off for that. Just because I feel like they are so reliant on those CP to get all that extra stuff, because otherwise, I mean, most of them are hitting on what fours in combat typically, mm-hmm. depending on what profile they're using. Yeah, they they so, get I a mean, lot of their reliability. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, they're so missing they, roles. They need their buffs.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I agree. I think it's going to be. Uh, I think the top Pox players are going to feel the change uh, pretty dramatically. It doesn't look like a lot, but it's going to add up to being typically one to two less CP per game and uh they they use it <laughs> very efficiently so uh other than that uh we have star striders uh star striders got hit pretty hard with the nerf bat uh the rotor cannon lost relentless the uh non-archeotech beam uh support assets hit on fours again and the undaunted explorer's strategic play. uh has a minimum of of two damage after having um so uh basically they put a cap on that damage reduction wise but uh i mean they definitely lost a bit of their bite
1: yeah so um which another thing with that that damage reduction nerf is it's only one uh i believe it's the first time they get shot or fight yeah in a turn so not every time yep it's even worse for them um I think the rotor cannon losing that relentless was unnes- unnecessary <laughs> um but I honestly didn't play against them or play them enough to to know how impactful that really was so i just i see the team and I think that that rotor cannon should have kept at least ceaseless or balanced something because yeah. i Otherwise, it, otherwise he's just attached to the hip of the void master the entire game.
0: When it got relentless in the first place, I thought that was weird. Um I thought it would have made more sense to give it ceaseless, but I don't know. Um how do you guys feel about the support assets going to four up?
2: Um I personally whenever I play against Star Striders, you know, I the thing that I am most concerned about is their assets. Yep. Especially on into the dark, um, you know that that, that three-inch blast is something to be reckoned with. Yeah. You know that that was some scary stuff. Especially if you're playing any team that you know has a even a four-up save, like that's that's some scary stuff. So that was always my thing, uh, being worried about playing them. You have to worry about this essentially extra activation that they have, that can be shot from multiple of their operatives, whether they're in concealed or not, you know, that, that, that was always pretty scary. Um, I I think, I think it's reasonable that the, the blast, you know, all their blast stuff has been changed, you know, to the four up. I think it's good that they're essentially their, their God beam is still hitting on threes. (laughs) That's basically their elite killer, right? Like they, they almost need that. And I'm thinking maybe the rest isn't necessarily, doesn't necessarily need to be hitting as hard that's that's typically like you're you're hitting multiple things
0: yeah so i I can understand that change i'm pretty happy with the nerfs on this one i i was of the opinion before that um star striders were the best team in the game before the data slate and i think they're still pretty solid I, i don't think they've been hit to a point where they're they're not uh competitively viable anymore but um they, they're probably going to face like a, like a Hunterclade-esque situation where everybody just kind of stopped playing Hunterclade after the nerfs, even though I think they're still pretty good. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if we see that with, with Star Striders as well. Uh, all right, so moving on, we have Intercession. Uh, they got hit with the damage reduction change as well on their Durable Chapter Tactic. So that's also now to a minimum of three, and it only happens once. Uh, this is definitely going to hurt them less then mutagenic flesh nerf hits legionary, uh, for a few reasons. There's less crits that are, uh, three damage. So that's not coming into play too often anyway, outside of like snipers. Um, and it's not super often that you're even getting multiple crits through on an an enemy compared to getting multiple normals through. So, um, and on top of that, I knew a lot of players like Ryan, uh, he wasn't actually even running durable at KTO. Um, that being said, intercession haven't had like a problematic win rate. They have won some tournaments, but um, this change I don't think is going to move the needle a ton on intercession.
1: Yeah. I think if most players kind of are, I guess for a lack of better term, smart with, with how they play them, they'll just end up switching to methodical. For no injury, no like the no modifier to their weapon and ballistic skill. Um, Realistically, that's probably just the better better play at this point. But like you said, uh, it was far easier to get multiple hits than multiple crits through, so it's less impactful.
0: Yeah. Um, And and typically, if they were getting hit by multiple crits, they were probably using uh, transhuman the tactical play to take one less crit (laughs) effectively but um yeah not not a huge nerf i don't think uh and then we have breachers so breachers uh got a few nerfs uh blitz tactical you don't get to reroll dice if you uh do either of the options uh the grenadier loses the ability to have multiple grenades of each type rather than just having one of each and the brace for counterattack damage reduction ploy minimum of 3 so uh what do you guys think of the breacher nerfs i don't know if either of you guys have uh have dabbled in the breacher but i'm sure you guys have played against them plenty
2: yes so So i I played against them at KTO actually (laughs)
0: Mm -hmm.
2: yeah and uh i personally you know in my experience and this this was you know using kazerkin and such so you know that they and i believe if I remember correctly, in that game, their their damage reduction ploy was used several times. However, I think I feel like that's it's just very team dependent. You know <laughs> what you're playing against. Because, for example, with Kazarkin, you know a lot of the time, you know all the heavy lifting is coming from my gunners. So to me, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, if you're doing it, I, I'm putting out a lot of damage anyway. If I'm getting any like decent role. So, to me. This doesn't seem like too drastic of a change. I'm sure somebody who is much more well-versed than them would feel differently. I don't know. Blaine, what, what did what, what do you think about that? I know you probably have played against them more than I have.
1: Um, I actually have only ever played against them once. Um, but I've kind of studied their rules a lot. And, you know, I've seen a couple of battle reports here and there, like watched a game just on the sidelines. So – and this is kind of rounding back to the damage reduction thing. It felt really, really bad when you would shoot a bolter-style weapon, you know, 3-4 damage, into a breacher that had an extra wound. So now they're 8, ten 10 wounds. Um, and it basically gets turned into lasgun damage. Like, that felt really, really bad. Um, so I just think that it it was needed, and that's, you know, across the board. It just was definitely needed for all the teams um the grenade nerf specifically isn't i don't think it's going to affect them nearly as much because if you were allowing them to let their grenadier get not only their satchel charge off but two crack grenades that was a problem for you not breach your player um and Honestly, it's, what they, it's the same change that they did with Pathfinders, because Pathfinders were able to throw two of each grenade before as well. It's not necessary for a game of kill team that goes four rounds. It, that's just too much. So I felt like that was just a nerf incoming since day one, honestly.
0: Yeah, and they've, they've done that nerf to other grenadiers in the past too, so I'm not super surprised. I will say when I played against Mike at KTO and his breachers. He did, uh, he did have a moment where he threw, he did throw both of his crack grenades. Um, it was cause he, at the end of turn one, he, uh, waited until I had activated everybody. And then he comes booth boosted his, uh, uh, his grenadier ran him up through a crack grenade at my anointed. And then he won initiative. And of course he, once again, threw a crack grenade at my anointed. Um, fortunately my anointed had like a trophy and stuff. So he didn't end up taking a ton of damage, but, Um, that being gone, I think is, is definitely, uh, nice for, for me. Um, I think that the breacher nerfs are a little bit less intense than the star strider nerfs. And I think the Breachers are going to remain a pretty good team, but these, they're going to feel this stuff for sure. I think the, the damage reduction is good because they're a horde team and they already get eight wounds if they take the stim equipment. So like they, they didn't really need to be that tanky. Um, and it's probably for the best that they they've been hit a little bit in that department. So, uh, yeah, uh, breach nerfs I think are good. So, uh, let's round all the way back and uh, move on to our final segment here. So, we uh, Brett, you are the uh, kind of um, I don't know what the right word to use. Uh, like you're like the unofficial slash official Castrican king running around right now and you've uh you've taken them to i want to say it was 12th place at kto and 11th place at lvo
2: am i right yeah yeah that sounds right yeah
0: yeah and this was with pre-buff kassirkin and kassirkin have now been buffed so first we're going to talk about the buffs that they just got and then we're gonna we're gonna talk to you about the the art of the kassirkin and what exactly you are doing over there to make them to make them work so uh, right. I think a lot of people are really curious about that, myself included. So, um, for starters, uh, there are eight wounds now. Instead of seven, they've given every model an extra wound. Uh, this is super helpful. Uh, secondly, the elite points, they get two more per turn. So that and these two extra ones are not tied to the leader. So even if your leader dies, you're still getting two points. And if your leader's alive, you're getting four points per turn. So that's great. And... Uh, finally, and this is my favorite change, they get access to a one equipment point combat blade that is uh, three attacks on fours, three, four damage, and it works with Forcadia. So, Brett, I'm just going to hand it over to you. (laughs) You're going to talk to me about these changes and what you think.
2: Yeah, so first off, that buff was so much more than I I really could have, well, hoped for and really thought it would be so i think when i talk to most people about what i wanted from them you know and to be honest i didn't really think they needed too much that that extra wound was kind of the that was kind of like the main thing that i was after you know that feels good you know like you said that that helps with survivability so much in a game where a lot of the damage profiles are three four you know being able to survive a crit and a hit from profiles like that was huge you know, and now you're talking about a leader with nine wounds as well. And since he was originally the only operative who had any sort of decent melee, you know, he that, that was that was really good for him. Actually, now he has nine wounds, he can push up a little bit more. But now we're also talking about they added the combat blade, which is something more than I thought we were gonna get. I didn't think we were actually gonna get any sort of buff to Kazirkin melee. I assumed we're just gonna stick with. What what I believe is some of the some of the best shooting in the game. Very controversial opinion, I think, from what I've heard online and from other people. <laughs> but um, you know, I think it's very good. I did not expect them to get any sort of buff to that, and the fact that it's an equipment I think is actually fantastic because a lot of the Kazakh equipment is is pretty lackluster. You know, you have your classic crack and frag, and adrenaline shots are pretty useful here and there. Um, the foregrips, grips, you know, they they can be useful on Into the Dark if you want to go on guard, but you're still hitting on fours. Long range scopes are only so useful on open boards and, you know, certain models can't even benefit from it. So I, I think it's fantastic that we got the combat blade. Personally, you know, I'm going to be testing it out some more, but I think that, that along with being able to stack it with four Kadia, you know, that's, that's huge. Now we're talking about being able to push somebody into an enemy doing four or five damage with your elite points. You know, that's, even if you're hitting on fours, you know, it, it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah. And but you are more you're, you're almost, points.
2: <laughs> right. Absolutely. Okay. And that's, an, that's another thing. So <laughs> that, that was huge to me. That blew my mind. Now we get two elite points at the beginning of every strategic phase. So. Now the max for our elite points just increased significantly. And the way that you can play with that now is you can, you can just throw those elite points out.
0: Yeah. You You had to be very cautious with them before, right?
2: You did. You did it. You know, depending on what you're playing against, you kind of need to figure out what's your high value target. You get a shot at it. You know, you spend those elite points, you know, you go for the kill. You don't don't stress about it. Just spend them where you can.
0: So tell me if well, I'm that's... wrong, there was for me, I only played Casterken one time ever. I played against them a few times, but I played as them once. And it seemed to me like one skill that you needed to have with this team was being able to identify not when to use your lead points, but more importantly when not to use them and when to accept a loss as a loss and like a, a whiff as a whiff. Do you think there's any truth to that?
2: I think there's definitely there's a lot of truth to that. It's it's if you get a roll, you know, it's you miss. If you're missing three out of four shots, you know, if your target is not below half health, especially if you're just using you know a hot shot las gun, something like that. If it's not a gunner who's putting out more damage, probably not worth it.
0: You know, yeah, unless it's tempting, you have but don't a, do it.
2: <laughs> it's tempting. It's very tempting, especially if you have a lot, you know a lot of elite points. You might want to do it. But if you don't have a special rule, like, say, you know, the, the sharpshooter, Crit's doing Mortal Wounds,
0: mm-hmm.
2: you know, it's it's not necessarily going to be worth it. You know, maybe with your Plasma, if you've got it supercharged, especially if you roll a 1, you know, that, you know, th- and that's a whole separate thing, right? We can completely get around hot. You know, it, it, with Kazrakin, 99% of the time, you should supercharge. You almost have no reason not to. Unless they have a really good invulnerable save, you know, you should do it. But with those extra elite points though, I mean, that's huge. You, you can just, you can be so much more liberal with them. Now it, as a matter of fact, I was just talking to Blaine about this before the fact that we get those elite points, the two now at the beginning of each strategic phase, I mean, you don't even really have to care too much about your leader anymore. Like he is just the, the icing on the cake. If he's alive, now you're getting four at the beginning of each turn. Yeah. You know, it, otherwise, if you're not really too concerned about it, you're just pushing another plasma pistol up the board.
0: Yeah, and I mean, e- even if you're too aggressive on turn one and, and he gets killed, at the very least, you, you got two more lead points than you did before because you get it on the first turn. Exactly. Um, it, so yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about what you've been doing with them to to find success because a lot of people have clearly been struggling to to make can work. But you're doing something that, that is that is working on a consistent level across different major tournaments against good competition. So, um, uh, let's start with operative selection a little bit because that's uh, most kill teams don't have a ton going on in terms of like list building. But what were you like? How do you approach which models you take into certain things? Like, wh- what do you leave out the most? What gunner wise? What are you taking? Like, um, so like uh, stuff along those lines. Sure. So I
2: think we'll start with probably the most obvious, uh, flamer pretty much not taking it. (laughs) Uh, you know, it it may be, be on into the dark against teams that are saving on fives. That's about it. Right. But otherwise, um, you know, the, the others are all pretty reliable depending on what you're going up against. Typically the things I pretty much always take going to be plasma Because why not, you know, plasma and kill team is fantastic. Mm Mm-hmm the um grenade launcher fantastic on into the dark and open you know that's blast opportunities and all that are fantastic good thing to spend elite points on against certain teams uh, melta fantastic against elite teams another source of ap2 with the mortals you know and you need to bump up to a crit easy to do it and then i like to take the hot shot volley gunner a lot too just because he has the five dice in p1 I mean that that's that's pretty big. If you can land at yeah. least one crit, that actually just increases my chance of spending elite points because you know, if they don't have an involve save that's worth using, you know, that, that makes it all the more wild. Like if that that's a case where if I miss three out of five, but if I get a crit and a hit, then I'm probably gonna spend another one. Like I'm gonna spend points to make sure I get at least another hit. Yeah. Something like a situation like that. So those are, those are typically the main, the sharpshooter is also very valuable on either into the dark. If you have long hallways or I, I mean, on a lot of open boards, he's fantastic. Of course, for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. So
0: nice. So, uh, is it the, uh, I think I read an article that you, uh, like that you did at one point where you said that you, you, sometimes you leave the mine guy at home. So what's the, yeah. what's the usage on that guy? Well, like, when does he come out?
2: Yeah. So he's typically, uh, you know, you're sort of into the dark type of operative. I mean, you know, for obvious reasons, he is incredibly useful for locking down hallways. You know, that of mine is pretty scary stuff. Oh yeah. (laughs) Um, and, and that being said though, it's, it's more effective. You're taking him against your elite teams or, you know, just teams that are 10 bodies or less. And, and a lot of the time I'm taking him and I'm moving him up the board early game, giving him an APL just to get the mine down. After that, if he dies, you know, no big deal. He did his job.
0: Yeah. That Cause is the mine still goes security. off. Even if he's right, dead, the
2: mine will still go off. Yep. Nice. And even if somebody decides to charge into it with him there, if you're getting that kill and you're still up on bodies, you know, that's in my eyes that that's a worthwhile trade. Cool. So uh, on an open board, however, you know, that's, it's tricky. You may be against an elite team, you know, just cause if you can get on a point further up the board and plant it, I mean, that's a huge nuisance. But that being said, that's pretty much all he's got on an open board. He's got a hotshot last pistol. Otherwise you're not really using it. Mm-hmm. So I typically will not take him on there. It's not, not worthwhile when you can take an extra trooper who gets a free elite point. You know, even with a hotshot las gun, that's actually pretty pretty useful.
0: Yeah, and I mean the the trooper with a frag grenade against hordes is almost like a specialist, <laughs> in yes. and of himself. What he's able to do,
2: mm-hmm, definitely. You combine that with your uh, was it the uh, not elimination but the, um, the one where you get an extra elite point within four inches of the yes. token, and you combine that with the, the beginning of the initiative, you can you can do a lot of damage to a lot of guys.
0: Yeah, so talk to me about what you're doing tac app wise um, So, I forget, what archetypes do they have access to?
2: So they have seek and destroy, security, and recon.
0: Okay, all right, well, recon, so they've, they've seek and destroy. Options. They have the good ones.
2: <laughs> they do, um, yes. Um, I will say I don't typically take security.
0: Okay, so. that doesn't surprise me. Um, yep. What What's your, do you usually swap between seek and destroy and recon depending on the matchup or is there one that you lean towards a little bit more often?
2: No, I I really do switch between them actually quite frequently. I I will say, though, I do like Seek and Destroy a lot against Elite teams. Um, And typically that's because I like to put Assassinate Target out on the board. So just because, you know, that way in an Elite team, you know, you need all your operatives.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: So when you're assigning one of them to be killed, when you have decent shooting and you're able to, you know, whittle the other team down and force them to use that guy... It's, you know, it's pretty likely you're at least going to injure him and get the one point. Um, So I definitely love taking that one. And then uh, Eliminate, um, Guards can be okay, not against Elite teams really, so that's one you'll take against, you know, any Horde team really.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. Uh, Otherwise, Headhunter, also good against Elites just because, you know, they need all their operatives. Yep. Uh, And then they they do have very good Faction Tag Ops.
0: Yeah, I've noticed that. That was one of the things I think they really had going for them already. They've got like two, I think, that are good, at least.
2: Yeah. Yep. And, and I like to take their secure zone one with the—that's the token you place down within four of an enemy operative. Yeah. That's uh, against elite teams. That's again, that's a very good one because it's—you know—they need their guys. They're gonna have to move up the board, and you activate them. So if you need to, you just keep your gunners back you wait till they've done something to compromise themselves and then you get your your heavy shooters in there to clear that point off and you get somebody on there you know it's a, it's an easy way to bag at least one point at some point like later on in the game when there's less models on the board it's not too bad
0: yeah so it sounds like they're pretty good into elite teams generally speaking okay. what exactly are. Yeah, so so how do you, how do you handle the teams with with more activations than you like the hordes of the like the cannon and, and blooded? I mean, Blaine, you play a lot of blooded, so I'm sure that you guys have played that matchup against each other plenty of times.
2: Yeah, yeah, we oh, have. Yeah. Um <laughs> We, um, I think something that I've kind of and I've, I've talked to Blaine about this plenty too. Um, with if you get a blast shot, say with the frag grenade or you know from the grenade launcher, you know that's Against teams like that, that are squishier, have the the higher saves, that is one point where I am willing to spend a lot of elite points. You know, if you can guarantee yourself, maybe not guarantee, but if you can at least injure a couple models with one shot, you know that in my mind, that's worth it for spending elite points. And especially now with the current buff, we have more points.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You might as well. So that that is typically you know, a big influence in how I'll set up and prepare for those games. I'll look for any sort of blast opportunity.
0: So yeah, give uh, give
2: him an APL and move him up.
0: Do you think that maybe with the uh, the combat knife equipment, some of these horde matchups might, it kind of might add another dimension to how you're able to like deal with some of these teams?
2: I certainly think it will. There's, um, I think there's there's a lot of situations actually where that's, that's going to become very useful i think and i haven't gotten to test enough yet with this but i think against a lot of other teams that just don't have good melee you're giving yourself a pretty good advantage and you know you're you're probably not going to be putting it on all your guys i mean you don't have a reason to do that but mixing that with forcadia you can be very aggressive with really any guy with a combat knife you just charge him into somebody and then if you've given them an APL and you're able to get that kill, you know, then you can still shoot like you're, you're talking about potentially being able to take off two models. If you do that with a gunner, you know, that that's going to open up a lot.
0: Yeah, yeah, I can definitely see that. Um, okay, interesting. So are they like, do you think they're better in, into the dark than open?
2: Personally, I do. Okay, I do. Yeah, and I th- I think part of that comes down to, um, their Vox Trooper is you know, I think he is the best comms in the game. I don't know if you can really dispute that. I don't know it. He can give APL to two guys anywhere on the board. Yeah, yeah that's that's pretty. It's that's like the Scions one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know that's incredibly useful and in into the dark that gives you so many opportunities for being able to open doors and move and shoot, mm-hmm. you know, do whatever you need to That's pretty big. And the fact that you can do that on some guys who've already activated. So they have that extra APL for the next turning point. And then that next turning point, give out two more APL to different guys. Now you've got four guys at three APL. That gives you a lot of ability to, Shift your guys where you need to.
0: Yeah, that's definitely a uh that's a pretty weird thing because then it's like most of your team, not most of your team, almost half your team is basically three APL for a whole turn, which is uh which is really funny. Um, especially on a team that has ten bodies, that can that can probably feel pretty brutal if you're playing against a team that is out activated by Casserkin. Um so you mentioned earlier that sometimes the demo mind guy gets dropped for a basic trooper is there anybody else that you ever sometimes drop to get an extra basic trooper
2: you know i i actually don't he is typically the guy i'll drop um okay. and the reason being for that is because the the only other real options to drop would maybe be your recon trooper and you know honestly that that might be it but but then the recon trooper also has that extra you get an extra scouting option with him. yeah which is I mean that's that's beautiful. You know, you that's that's hard to get rid of. And on top of that, the only thing he's missing is he doesn't get the free elite point. Yep. And he still has the unlimited range. So he can he can still shoot. So I think it's worth keeping him. I, I think it's truthfully just the demo trooper that's kind of a you know, a drop.
0: Yeah, I think the uh, having the two scouting options, it's I think a common play you'll probably see a lot is the if you're on open board near a vantage point, you drop the barricade up on the vantage point and you do the recon dash for your sniper up onto the vantage point because he flies. And then suddenly you have this just like really menacing guy just looking over most of the board.
2: Absolutely. And, and then on into the dark as well, you know, when, you know, not, if there aren't as many options. I mean, then you're talking about being able to potentially dash two guys Mm -hmm. towards some doors and that that right there can be a huge advantage so on both both some of the doors you know
0: yeah i was gonna say some of the doors start seven inches away from the deployment zone on some of those missions so getting a couple guys closer to the doors i mean that can be that saves you a whole action of of being able to get there which it adds up uh but yeah so i mean overall so you thought that Castrican didn't really need a ton before the 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 buffs. Um, yes. Do you think that where they are now, like ha- ha- hot take it for me, if you will, uh, yeah. let's say you're throwing them on a tier list uh, and there's like S, A, B, C. Where would you put them now post-buff compared to pre-buff?
2: Personally, I would put them at A tier. Okay. Um, I don't think they're quite in S tier solely for the fact that they are... Probably not as well-rounded as some other teams. You know, you you still need the equipment to have decent melee, and you know that sort of thing. A lot of their equipment is maybe a little lackluster. Um, You know, just little things like that. I think they're close. Mm -hmm. Like I said, I do think they have very good shooting. I think people underestimate their shooting. Um, and I do think with the with the new buff. Personally, I think the elite points might have been a little bit too far. Okay. I don't know if we needed that. I don't know if we needed that. So the equipment and the wounds was fantastic.
0: Um, I'm gonna give you a pedestal very quick. Uh, I'd like you to deliver a message to all the people that think that Casperkin should hit on threes. Just tell me what you think about this.
2: <laughs> you know, I I see that everywhere. <laughs> you know, I oh my god, the amount of discords and things I've been in where people are. Talking about that, and listen, I, I get it. I get it. Three-up ballistic skills, pretty nice. I know a four-up is intimidating. But listen, just roll the dice, see what happens, and if you don't like it, you can just change a die. You, you have a ploy to essentially give yourself relentless in the right conditions. Mm-hmm. Like, these things happen. Just don't worry about it so much. They're a solid team. I know people like their Scions, but... Yeah. Try them out.
0: So, know, do you think casterkin are kill. are better than scions?
2: You know, I feel like I am not educated enough to make that because I haven't really seen enough of scions. That being said, I I understand that scions were quite popular and they were reliable. But I don't know if it's fair to compare it just because they it, it's a different ability. Elite dice are a weird ability. They are. You know, die manipulation is strange.
0: Yeah, I I personally think they are better than caster or than scions now after the changes. Um, I think just the 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 extra tools that you get as a as one of these specialist teams just kind of puts them over the edge. But um, super interesting, Um, Blaine. Can you give us a little bit of wisdom on what it's like playing against uh, skilled casterkin? Because there's (laughs) there's not a lot of Castrican um, floating around out there let alone like very good castrican players so what's yeah, it like on the other um, side
1: so most of the games that i've played against brett um i've played a, a, quite a few teams uh mainly uh blooded um some hunter clade um uh some rbds now like the the exaction squad. just a little a little bit of everything into them uh, I can definitely tell you that they are way 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 better against elite teams than the horde teams um, just because they can focus fire down elites a lot faster um, and and the way Brett plays them is kind of crazy because he makes them seem like they aren't like he made them seem like they didn't need buffs <laughs> like they were a team that kind of like commandos where they just like they're good in the right hands and in the right hands, they are, like he said, an A tier, an A tier team. Like they didn't really need the buffs, but, um, yeah, it was, it's kind of crazy. Um, and I do see where they, where they suffer, um, a little bit against teams with really, really good melee. Um, just before this podcast, we had just played a, a casual game, uh, where I was using Harlequins, uh, Void Dancer Troop into them. and it. Kind of just went very one-sided for Void Dancer because of the melee. Um, so, like, if you can get up in their face and kind of make them play around you, I, I think that's where Kaz can start to fall apart. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, like Red's been taking these these high are these high uh, placements at these tournaments. So he's got to be doing something well, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. R- Ryan and I actually um,
0: did a, a live stream. I want to say like probably two months ago. It was before KTO uh, where he played Kassar and I played void dancers. And that is a brutal matchup. Let me tell you, <laughs> oh, yeah, I no, know where you're coming from.
1: Yeah. Um, so, and like I, like I said, I've been on the other side where I'm playing something like blooded with, you know, 12 to 14 bodies into Kassar and, that's a a spot where it becomes a little bit less or it becomes a little bit more blurry where like Kazrkin have a lot better shooting than a team like blooded or in my opinion a team like vetguard but you just have so many activations that you can kind of like bounce around the the Kazurkin and
0: mm-hmm.
1: do a little bit more than they can um and so it makes Player like Brett have to play a, a lot more strategically, and you kind of can't just throw a trooper in the middle of, of nowhere because if you lose a body with Kazarkin, you're already down down models on that that horde team, so you have to be a, a little bit more careful I feel mm-hmm. in matchups like that so okay very cool and I actually would like to add um,
2: just like what Blaine said, one thing that Kazarkin has taught me most is positioning. Is just it's so important. You know, you lose a guy on Kazerkin, you're down ten percent of your team. That adds up really quickly. Yep. You know, same goes for any other team, but
0: as an elite the buff, player, I know what you're talking about.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's you know, that was one thing and that that's also why I, I don't think that they're an S team, because I feel like you probably couldn't just hop into them with no practice and expect to do well they don't have as many game breaking things you're still gonna have to be careful you can't overexpose you know you can't rush straight in maybe yeah. with four katia you can rush straight in but that's about <laughs> it
0: yeah i do think uh with with the new buffs i think we're gonna see both teams from the soul shackle box have their you know their players that are specialists on them and that they really kind of make them them shine which is exciting um but yeah i mean we're coming up on the end here. Uh, First of all, just thank you guys for coming on. Super excited. Uh yeah,
1: thank you, man. It's uh it's a real pleasure. pleasure, honestly. Especially after like listening to your podcasts, you know, starting out in Kill Team and such. It's it's really cool. So And after
2: you crushed Blaine at
1: uh you know yeah, Hill, yeah, we, yeah, we don't talk about that.
0: Uh, <laughs> well I'm glad you I'm glad to hear that. I I appreciate that. So before I do my my little wrap up closing segment, um do you guys have anything you want to plug? Anything you want to shout out? Your YouTube channel, whatever?
1: Yeah, uh so YouTube is uh, Six Sided Legion. Uh we like Brett said earlier, we do battle reports, we do post uh tournament talks, just how we placed our experiences. Uh we're kind of just reaching out to uh the outskirts of the community and getting more players involved. Um we do have uh Instagram, Twitter, um, and uh We're kind of always consistently in these discords, uh, command point and, uh, last half dead. So, you know, we're always Roman.
0: Awesome. So, yeah. Uh, if you guys want to listen to, uh, to Brett and, uh, Blaine and and the rest of six sided Legion and watch some battle reports, uh, we're going to have the link to their channel in the description, whether you're listening on Spotify or, Apple or watching on YouTube or whatever. Um, as always, thank you guys for listening. If you are uh, enjoying the return of the podcast or their videos or you know whatever it is we're putting up on the channel, show us some love, hit like, you know, subscribe, hit the bell so that way you get notified when new stuff comes out. And uh, if you're already subscribed and really enjoying, uh, check out our patreon over at patreon.com/ command point. Uh, it just helps us keep the light on over here and show a little bit of extra support. So, as always, thank you guys for listening. This is Shane from Command Point talking to Blaine and Brett from Six Sided Legion, signing out.